Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight, and we're so glad to have you tuned in to this week's edition of our program, and hope you'll stay tuned for uh, the next 25 or 30 minutes or so together as we study the Word of God. Today we're going to be speaking on the subject of too late to be great. And one day for you and I, it will be. So we want to determine to be as great as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ right now. We want to be great right now. We want to do something great right now. I want to be a great husband, a great father, a great preacher, a great Christian. Well, you say, well, that's uh, that's kind of prideful. I'm not sure you're going to be able to do all that. Well, that may be true, but that is the goal I want to strive for. And we'll be talking about that today. Now, just before the message, I want to share with you also the fact of the Go Mix Christian Radio Sherathon going on right now. Right now, we're trying to raise the funding we need to keep Christian Radio on the air, to keep it alive, to keep it viable, to keep it growing, and we need your help to do that. First of all, we certainly need your prayers, but secondly, if you've not called in your support yet or mailed in your support yet, I want to entreat you to please do so. Please do so. Make it a matter of prayer. Your gift of any size can help us. Now, we only pass the offering plate twice a year. Twice a year, that, that, that's all. We do it in the fall, we do it again in the spring, and we're not constantly coming to you asking for financial help. Uh, I'm not saying we will never do that, but praise the Lord, we really have not had to do that a lot. We've been through a lot of uh, trying times, and yet God has always prevailed and, and met our need. So I'm asking you right now to purpose in your heart if any of the programming on Go Mix, maybe it's the preaching programs, the teaching programs, maybe it's the music, maybe whatever it might be, I want to encourage you, please, to uh, to call in or mail in or whatever the case might be, your best gift for the Lord, if you will. And I just want to encourage you uh, encourage you to do that. Again, our message today is entitled Too Late to Be Great. Hope you'll stay tuned for that. Right now, though, I've got music with Carol Robertson coming up just before today's message. And of course, it's called Through It All. Through It All, our Lord's been there. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation. That my trials come to only make me strong Let me know. 
To be great. That is the title of today's message today. And again, I want to thank you for tuning in. I, w- I want to read to you, if I might, a section of scripture. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Again, the Second Timothy two, twenty and twenty one. Today, I'd like to speak to you, if I could please, specifically on the subject of greatness, and my desire for you and I, for that matter, to be great before it is too late, because one day it will be too late. Now, I'm not talking about great in the eyes of the world. I'm talking about great in the eyes of God. The scripture says that in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. First off, I want you to notice that the scripture is talking about in a great house. So this is not some some slum. This is a great house, and I believe it's referring to the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But yet, even in a great house, They're vessels of honor and dishonor. Now, I want you to consider your own home for a moment. Before long, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. And at Thanksgiving, chances are that you'll be putting out your uh, some of your best china, perhaps, or your best plates and dishes, maybe some things you've not used for some time. But maybe you're having family over, you're having guests over, so you want to bring out your best, and you got this big platter that you save for every Thanksgiving to put the big, the big turkey on. They are vessels of honor. 
And they're going to be there on your kitchen table there as your family comes to celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, likewise, in your home, you probably have an old mop bucket. And that mop bucket's over in the closet. Now, listen, that doesn't mean the mop bucket's not important. There are times, I mean, you know, every house has got to have a mop bucket. you got to have something like that. But you're not going to use the utensils you use to put your prize turkey in to, to mop the floor. You're not going to do that. If a family member's sick, I know if I'm sick, Sherry will put something beside my bed and say, you know, if you... You know, if you're feeling nauseous or something, you might want to use this. I'm not trying to be gross or anything, but I'm just simply saying that's not what you use on your table. Now, it is a needful vessel. It is something that's important. It's something that has a place, but I'd hardly call it a vessel of honor. So what we're teaching you this morning is that being in a great house doesn't make you great. It doesn't even ensure that you'll become great. It's one thing, for an example, to have great parents, but that doesn't make you great. It's one thing to work for a great company or a great ministry, but that doesn't mean you're great because you're surrounded by greatness. You're either adding to the greatness of that entity or you might be diminishing from it, but just being around it or a part of it doesn't mean that you're great. Jesus considered greatness when he spoke of John the Baptist in Matthew 11, 11, where he says, among them that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. How many today listening to the program sense that there's greatness in you? Now, this is not egotistical. It's not prideful to say this. But how many listening to the program right now believe that there's greatness in you? Uh, First off, maybe I should define what greatness is not. First off, greatness is not inherited. It's not the result of birth, including the new birth. You're not great just because you're born or even just because you're born again, for that matter. You cannot inherit greatness. You can be born high and live low. You can be born low and live high. But your greatness is not determined by your pedigree or the family that you were born into. You can't be great because of the people who gave birth to you. We've seen that displayed recently over the situation over in England where the the queen had passed away. And we noticed that not all members of the royal family were looked upon, well, with the same eye. They were not all looked upon as being one as great as the other because they were not. Likewise, you can't be eliminated from greatness because of people who gave birth to you. Greatness is not inherited. The second thing I want to mention is greatness. It's not based on wealth. A lot of people think it is, that a big bank account makes you great. Well, it may in the eyes of man, but it doesn't in the eyes of God. There are a lot of wealthy people who are not great people. On the other hand, poverty doesn't ensure you'll never be great. Some of the greatest, uh, uh, wealthiest people in America today are causing America the greatest harm, in uh, in my opinion. Thirdly, greatness is not talent. Your abilities may help you be great at what you do, but it will not make you great at what you are. There there are some people who are good at doing, but they're they're not good at being. We see this, uh, for example, all the time in athletics. You might be great at basketball or great at football or whatever the case might be, but that doesn't make you a great person. We see this in actors that play great husbands or fathers on television, but in real life, they're not great in those capacities. I I, I remember a television show years ago that had a uh, a man on there who played what we might call the ideal father. And, you know, we later found out in real life he was far from an ideal father. Or you might have someone who plays to be the ideal husband. Boy, he's a perfect husband. And then you find a guy's been married 10 times. Are you are you a great dad? Uh, no, I just play one on television. I'm, I'm really not one. 
I don't just want to do. I want to be. I want to be a great person, a great father, a great husband, a great pastor, a great preacher. I just don't want to come across that way. I want to be that way. I, I, I don't want to just do that. I want to be that. The fourth thing I'd like to mention is greatness is not popularity. It's not how many friends you have on Facebook. It's not how famous you are or how many people know your name. These things do not determine greatness. The next thing I'd like to mention is greatness does not come easy. Greatness will cost you something. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some energy. It's going to cost you some sacrifice. It's going to cost you some resources. It's going to cost you some hours of your life laying down, paying the price, going the extra mile, doing what other people are not willing to do. Greatness always costs more than mediocrity. That's why there's not many people who achieve greatness. They're not willing to pay the price. And the sixth thing I'd like to mention is greatness is not immediate. Greatness usually takes time to develop. You can't just run into your room and come out great. You can't just walk outside and look up in the sky at night and say, oh, I think I'll be great from now on. And, you, and on top of that, you can't just go to church one Sunday or listen to me preach one Sunday and say, okay, I'm going to be great from now on. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Greatness takes some time. you got to stay with it. you got to keep working on it. The seventh thing I'd like to mention is greatness is not common. Greatness is not something you see a lot of. Therefore, there's not a lot of examples to follow. You, you know, if your kids say, you know, Dad, I want to grow up to be a great Christian, uh, you know, who are you going to look at and say, yeah, okay, well, you need to be like him then because he's great. You know, different people have different strengths and weaknesses, but there's honestly, if you look particularly in the world of celebrities, there's not a lot of examples that you can follow to say, well, you know, I want you to be like him. I've often said of Job in the Bible, I've got a feeling when Job in his neighborhood that many godly mothers probably looked at their little boys and they said, when you grow up, you, you need to be like Mr. Job. He's a good, honest man. He's a hardworking man. He's a, he loves the Lord. You need to be, grow up to be just like Mr. Job. Uh, you know, but there's not many Jobs around today, are there? No, there's, there's not. There's not a great examples to follow because greatness distinguishes you from the crowd, makes you stick out when you become great. Greatness makes a, takes a tremendous focus. No one can be great by living below their potential. Somebody else might be great doing the same thing you're doing because for them it's great because it's the best they can do. But it's not great for you because it's not the best you can do. You're not giving it all you have. And if you're not giving it all you have, then it's not greatness for you, even though someone else might be doing it. And for them it is great. But for you... It's almost effortless. It comes too easy. Therefore, you're not living at the level of your greatness because you're not living at the fullness of your potential. But finally, we're talking today about what greatness is not. Greatness is most often revealed to others in hardship. Good times and bad times can cultivate greatness. But greatness is most clearly revealed to others during hardships. A crisis can reveal hidden greatness, I suppose, like nothing else I can think of. Hidden greatness rises to the occasion. If you're looking for greatness, watch what people do in a crisis. Look what they do in the hardship. If they fold up, there's no greatness there. But if there is greatness there, it'll come out in the hard places. There's something inside a great person, an internal reservoir that's not going to lie down, stay down, gripe and whine and throw a pity party. No, true greatness is not going to do that. It's going to rise. 
There's something about a person that when the waters get troubled and all hell's breaking loose, greatness is going to step up to the crisis. Now, I want to share in the closing moments today a couple of things that I believe you have to do to be great, that you have to just set your mind that this is the kind of person I'm going to be. First off, you have to be teachable. The Bible says in Proverbs, fools despise instruction. So if you're someone who does not listen to wisdom, if you're someone who's got to argue with wisdom all the time and have, it, have things your way, you're never going to achieve greatness. Great people learn about life in two ways, mentors and mistakes, but great people have learned, that they, they can learn from both. You can learn from a mentor and you can learn, you can learn from making mistakes, but great people have learned it's much more efficient, far less painful to learn from mentors than it is from mistakes. So they learn to be teachable. They learn to receive wise counsel and wise advice. Hey, I can go out and do 10 dumb things today, or I can just ask someone who's wise, what's the best way to do it? You know, I've often said, I don't have to be an expert at everything if I know some experts around. My air conditioner breaks. I don't, I don't know how to fix the thing, but I don't need to know how to fix it because I know a reputable repairman that, that I know he's honest. He's, 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 he knows his business. He'll give me a, a fair price. I, what do I need to learn to fix the thing for? I've got other things that God's called me to do. That's the wonderful thing about being a Christian. I don't have to have all the answers when you know who does have all the answers, and that's God. So I said you have to be teachable. Secondly, you have to learn to receive correction. You say, well, that's the same thing as being teachable. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's not. The teacher may come to you, and if you're having trouble doing something, and the teacher might say, let me show you how to do it. And she, she may say, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three, and she may go over that with you and spend some time tutoring you and say, let me teach you how it's done, and she will show you. So you have to be teachable to learn that. A lot of people can be teachable. But the corrector is the one that comes to you and says, you've done it wrong. The corrector says, you've not gotten this right. You didn't do it the way I said do it, or you didn't do it the way it's supposed to be done. You are wrong. There's a lot of people that are teachable that are not correctable. You have to learn to receive correction with a good attitude. Now, receiving correction, I want you to understand something, is, is not just hearing it. It's listening to it. And it's walking away with a good attitude and a good frame of mind. Walking away, mumbling under your breath is not receiving correction. Walking away, I mean, you may have a smile on your face, but inside you're burning up. That's not receiving correction. Can you imagine how many people are struggling today? They're struggling today, right now, because nobody corrected them. Do you know how many people are in prison today because they didn't have a daddy who would correct them? Do you know how many churches and ministries have been dwarfed because they wouldn't listen to correction? How many families are in disarray because someone rebels at correction? A great person is going to hear correction, receive it, and apply it if it's sound correction. But the third thing I want to mention is once you identify the areas of greatness God may have for you, then you need to give them back to the Lord. And this is difficult. This is hard. But once you identify, I believe God wants to do this in my life. I believe God wants to make me great in this area. This is the area of life that God wants me to excel. Then you need to submit that back to the Lord. Maybe it's your singing ability, your business ability. 
or whatever it might be that God has gifted you to do, lay it on the altar and say, God, kill it if you have to. Take it away from me if you have to, because I want to be great in your eyes. You may say, you know, I'm a, I'm a great singer. I sing very well. People applaud when I sing. And I actually think I minister when I sing. <laughs> Please understand, I'm not talking about myself. I can't sing a note. But, but maybe that is your talent, your talent. Give that back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to use this gift for your glory. And if you will get more glory from the fact that I never sing another note, then so be it. Or, Lord, I've got this talent or I've got this ability and, Lord, you blessed it, you have, and I'm going to continue to use it for your glory as long as I can. But, Lord, if it serves your interest, if it serves the kingdom more, take it away because, Lord, it belongs to you and not me. That is greatness to God. Abraham felt with a certainty that his greatness would come through Isaac, but he was willing to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Hannah felt her greatness with Samuel, but both were willing to surrender their greatness to God. Abraham's didn't, you know, it was his son. God said, your, your only son, whom thou lovest. But he was willing to sacrifice him if that's what God wanted. Both were willing to surrender that greatness, that thing that they believed that was going to bring them greatness to surrender it to God. Such an attitude answers the question, can God trust you with greatness? Will you use your greatness as a weapon to all the people that said you couldn't be great? There's a lot of people that do that, you know. All the people that said I couldn't achieve, all the people that said I couldn't do it, I'll show them now. Have you ever known people that can't handle promotion because it goes to, his, to their head? That if, if you were all of a sudden great, how would that be on the people around you? Would they be able to stand you? Would you be humble? Would you use your greatness as a weapon or would you use it to bless? David became king of Israel and when he reached his pinnacle of greatness, he didn't use that greatness as a weapon against all the enemies that have fought against him on the way up. He actually said, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I can bless? Who's Saul? Saul's the guy that tried to kill him, tried to destroy him. That's greatness. Joseph, when he got to the right hand of Pharaoh, didn't use his greatness as a weapon. No, he used it as a tool to bless people, the very people that had hurt him. And that's a good sign of greatness when you can look at the people that tried to stop you, discourage you, hinder you. And when you're at that place of greatness, you turn around and look at them and say, I have nothing against you. Actually, it's my plan to bless you. Fourth thing I want to mention hurriedly is you're not truly great until you release that greatness into someone else. One of the greatest things you can do is find someone and try to make them great. That's a sign of your greatness. It's a sign you're not jealous. It's a sign you're not envious. And so today, I couldn't help but think that maybe God wants greatness to be released in someone listening to this program today. But the question is, can God trust you with greatness? There are financial stewards out there that I believe God is calling to be financial stewards. God wants to make you wealthy. Now, look, I'm not a prosperity preacher as such, but I'm simply saying I do believe they're financial stewards. I believe there's people out there that God wants to gift you with resources so you can be a blessing to others. But can God trust you with that? Can God take you from where you are to places you've never dreamed you could go and do things that you never imagined you could do? As God, can God do that? Of course he can. It's unlimited what God can do in your life. Your greatness is not someone else's greatness. And in a great house, as we've learned, they're vessels of honor and dishonor. 
There's something inside every Christian that doesn't want to be mediocre, doesn't want to be average. They want to be great. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're a part of the, of the Lord's family. You're a king's kid, if you will. You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with not wanting to settle for a mediocre life. But you can't do that without God. He is the source of greatness. And going across, everyone listening to the program today, there's a call to greatness. He's not calling you to be average. He's not calling you to be common. He's not calling you to be like most everyone else. He's not calling you to settle for low things, normal things, average things. He's calling you today to greatness. So I ask you, will you be a vessel? Are you willing to be a vessel of honor? Can God trust you today with greatness that you will use it to be a blessing to others and to further the kingdom? God has the power to do it. He raises one up. He pulls another down. He can do it. There are many people who are running from a call to greatness because of the price they think they're going to have to pay. Becoming a vessel of honor is a great gift that you can give to your God, you can give it to your nation, you can give it to your family, and you can indeed give it to yourself. Being a vessel of honor might on this world might not bring you wealth or acclaim. It may not bring you attention, may not bring you reward, might not bring you any kind of recognition on this earth. It might, but it just as well might not. But you can be great in the sight of God. John the Baptist was a sore upon the earth. But Jesus said there's none born among women who's greater than John. But here's my message. Opportunities are running out. People who need your help are dying every day. Ministries that need your help are struggling every day. My encouragement is for you to determine to be great. And to be great before it's too late, because one day it will be. One day Jesus is going to come back. One day your soul is going to be required of you in death if Jesus tarries, and it's going to be too late. For those of us who are older, we realize that day may be quickly approaching. For, for people who are young, you don't know when your day is either. You don't know. So I want you to be great, great in the sight of God, great before it's too late. I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's Pathlight program. And I also would like to remind you that if there's something was said today that blessed you, we'd enjoy hearing from you. Also, if something was said today or in any of our programs that you feel might be a blessing to someone else, these programs are available on the Facebook site of Go Mix Christian Radio, Christian Bible College, and Pathway Christian Academy. You can check any of those. Also, we have a podcast. It's called the Pathlight Podcast. You can check it out, and you can uh, you can listen to that on any of the popular uh, podcast sites or podcast apps that you might have on your uh, on your cell phone or on your computer. Until next time, this is T.D. Worthington saying, May God richly bless you is my prayer. May you indeed be great before it's too late.